Welcome to Very Hundred Fratter VT's Esoteric Podcast, episode 104, in which Gonzo theologist Robert Strong, PhD, and I feebly attempt to interview Daniel Garber. Um, basically, this is a dress rehearsal for uh, an upcoming episode in which uh, he um, will have a better internet connection. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll be able to do that very soon. Uh, but uh, the part where Robbie and I, my co-host, were talking uh, went on for a while and we covered a lot of subjects. And so, uh, you know, rather than just scrap the whole thing, I thought that uh, we'd go ahead and put this up as an episode and then, uh, you know, do do the proper actual interview and then um, and then put that up as a as, as another episode. But first, this is a new segment I uh, actually haven't named yet. So whatever you just heard is uh, me in the future from my perspective speaking now. But whatever I call it, uh, it's going to be something in which I'm going to read the Lotus Sutra. So, uh, this was presumably written about 1900 years ago, uh, though, you know, scholars always debate about that. And uh, please do comment on uh, the YouTube associated with this episode if, uh, if you have any corrections or, or uh, additions to that. I am a student. Um, I, uh, if you are new to this podcast, <laughs> I... You know, I know some stuff. I know a few things, but I don't consider myself an expert. Um, so I have this podcast in order that I might learn. And uh, along the way, maybe um, maybe others will learn as well. And, you know, what I have to offer, which is largely very, uh, like, specialized, too specialized in some cases... Uh, which is one reason, again, why I uh, have this podcast, is because I want to reach out and connect with people who aren't so specialized as me. And uh, then I can kind of be like the brain cell in the uh, human race that uh, I think that we are, you know, uh, called to be or that we already are, um, i.e., you know, having synapses in the forms of conversations and exchanges and interviews and podcasts and good YouTube uh, content and, and, you know, uh, and bad YouTube content. I mean, there's all kinds of synaptic orchestras, aren't there? Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get to the reading. Um, Okay. I'm just going to jump right in. No context whatsoever. Thus have I heard. Once upon a time, the Lord was staying at Ragagriha on the Gridrakuta mountain with a numerous assemblage of monks. Twelve hundred monks, all of them arhats, stainless, free from depravity, self-controlled, thoroughly emancipated in thought and knowledge, of noble breed, 
like unto great elephants, having done their task, done their duty, acquitted their charge, reached the goal, in whom the ties which bound them to existence were wholly destroyed, whose minds were thoroughly emancipated by perfect knowledge, who had reached the utmost perfection in subduing all their thoughts, who were possessed of the transcendent faculties, eminent disciples such as the venerable Agnata Kaudinya, the venerable Asvagit, the venerable Vashpa, the venerable Mahanaman, the venerable Badrikal, skip a bit, brother Maynard, the venerable Purna Manu, the venerable Subuti, the venerable. <clears throat> some of whom still under training, the others masters, with 6,000 nuns having at their head Maha Pragapati and the nun Yasodhara, the mother of Rahula, along with her train. Further, with 80,000 bodhisattvas, all unable to slide back, endowed with the spells of supreme perfect enlightenment, firmly standing in wisdom, who moved onward the never-deviating wheel of the law, who had propitiated many hundred thousands of Buddhas, who under many hundred thousands of Buddhas had planted the roots of goodness, had been intimate with many hundred thousands of Buddhas, were in body and mind fully penetrated with the feeling of charity, able in communicating the wisdom of the Tathagatas, very wise, having reached the perfection of wisdom, renowned in many hundred thousands of worlds, having saved many hundred thousand myriads of kotis of beings, such as the Bodhisattva Mahasattva Mangusri as Prince Royal, and Bodhisattvas Mahasattvas Avalokiteshvara, when them were also the six with them were also the sixteen virtuous men to begin with, and some others, besides eighty thousand bodhisattvas, among whom the aforementioned were the chiefs. Further, Sakra, the ruler of the celestials, with twenty thousand gods, his followers, such as the god Khandra, the moon the god Surya, the sun, the god Samantaganda, the wind, the god Ratnaprabha, the god Avabhasaprabha, and others. Further, the four rulers, the four great rulers of the cardinal points, with 30,000 gods in their train, the vis-a-vis -vis the great ruler Virudaka, the great ruler Virupasha, the great ruler Dhritarashtra, and the great ruler Vaisravana, the god Ishvara, and the god Maheshvara, each followed by 30,000 gods. Further, okay, <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it. That's, uh, that's the reading for today. I enjoyed it. Uh, it didn't have the satisfaction of going anywhere yet because it's still go going on with the sort of the begats like the beginning of the book of mark 
So sorry to leave you there hanging, but uh, I'll tell you what. I'll pick up right where I left off with uh, the Daniel Garber f number four episode, and I won't stop reading until it says something. Our guest tonight, uh, though uh, the, the internet connection wasn't so good, um, our guest, um, he has delved deeply into the Lakota culture and spiritual path and way of life. I knew him before uh, he had wholeheartedly 100% delved into that path. Uh, if you listen to our episode from uh, 2016 or, or, or whenever that was, uh, you'll hear us talking mostly about Hermeticism, Golden Dawn and Crowley, and, uh, you know, uh, life in general and psychedelics and what have you, and yoga. Um, but uh, but in episode 77, um, if you haven't heard that, actually, if you have some time, go ahead and put this episode on pause and listen to episode 77 rather than this. Why do I keep saying 77? Is that the right episode? Let me check. Where's my phone? <clears throat> to see Esoterra Nerd. Episode 81. I think multiple times in the uh, interview or in the conversation with Robbie, I call it episode 77. I think because of the 77 rocks that are mentioned in the interview um, with Daniel Garber in episode 81. So uh, dial it back if you haven't heard it and if you have some time. Uh, if you really want to commit to checking out what, uh, you know, what Daniel has to say about his path thus far check out episode 81 and then tune back to this episode um and uh then this is the dress rehearsal for the next episode which will be uh, hopefully in a few days so uh without further ado let's get to our co-host Robbie Strong and uh, and and have that eventually lead to the interview, shall we? Hello, Fredder. Welcome to the Esoteric Nerd Podcast. My family's inside, dancing to Underworld. Oh, how fun! Yeah. Picked up a new uh, speaker today, and uh, they're getting ready to go to bed, and they're dancing out all their last bit of energy before they hunker <laughs> down good. for the evening. And you're missing um, it just to be on this silly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I did a little dancing with them before I came out. Oh, and, that's uh, good. That's good. Worse. Dancing is more about are going to them, and like there's this huge crowd, so he's like nervous, you know. He's like, have you tried the charos? Have you tried the charos that the sadhus use when they smoke it just out yeah, of that little it's, vertical? It's it, it's sort of like I mean maybe there's I've I'll I'll, I'll qualify it by saying this it was only once, and uh, maybe he was ripping me off. I mean, you know, oh, okay. it, it, it was just really bad quality stuff, but it was oh, two, okay. 200 rupees. That's $3, so I can't complain. 
So that was in Rishikesh. I'll try so it again, the, so, though. So the secret, the secret stash of the sadhus is probably different. I'm guessing. I'm sure they have some type of Lebanese uh, hashish Maybe. that uh, they. And I'm dying to try the Nepalese honey too. I was watching a documentary oh, about yeah, that. That's yeah. remarkable. How how far were you from from that particular part of Nepal when you were on your trek? Um, I think not far, but uh, probably a, a, a serious uh, couple of days straight uphill. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, they they seem to do some serious climbing getting to that honey. But I think I was near the flowers that uh, caused the honey. The, those rhododendrons, those big red flowers right. on the trees. I think that's mm -hmm. it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I get I get my flowers mixed up. My grandma your tried. That, um, hmm? Your friend that did a little bit more uh, ground research in Nepal that you interviewed on one of your previous podcast i remember him saying uh in a lecture that i, I watched of his that uh there's some type of plant that they just pick and eat uh some of the sadhus in tibet hmm. and it's a it's a hallucinatory plant I'm, I'm not sure if it's jimson weed or if it's uh ephedra or, or what it is he didn't seem to know the name of it that was ian but baker really Right. It was one of Ian Baker's lectures. I, I forget which university. Um, I think it was yeah. someplace in England or something. How cool. Um, but I know there are some uh, hallucinogenic plants that uh, some people have the genetic marker for and they can tolerate them and it's, they could practically mm. kill another person. Jimson weed yeah. is like that. Yeah. It was the psychedelic of uh, the West Coast Indians. Um, they would go, would, to become a man, you would take a uh, catastrophic dose of jimson weed and mm. go into the wilderness naked for three days with nothing wow. and then come back out and then you were <laughs> and if you came you back out then you were a man yeah. <laughs> oh man i mean i mean if you know I, I i'm sure that there was some you know uncles and cousins that were probably watching from afar to make sure people were okay but that makes sense um, yeah, yeah but but apparently when cock when caucasoid people take it uh it makes them just, just insanely ill. Um, and I guess I'm pretty sure like the, the natives that were here for aeons, I'm sure probably evolved the right enzymes to be able to, to, uh, to experience it differently than people without. Right. That's, that's what it seems like. Stands I mean, in the same reason. way that some people, some people can metabolize alcohol differently. Um, or even uh, LSD. I, I wonder, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, I wonder if it's an issue of metabolizing or, or if it's psychological, though. Like, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not, I haven't done a whole lot of case studies, but I've observed people having difficult times on LSD. And uh, the only time that I had a really difficult time, I think it was cut with speed or something. Um, Ooh, really some some dealers do that. That's why yeah. that's why I prefer mushrooms to uh, LSD anytime because right. I really just I like the security of being able to see this is a plant this grew from the earth. Yeah, um, I, I just don't like the stomach pain from the mushrooms, so I, I prefer good LSD. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good LSD doesn't have the same the same hard body load that mushrooms does. Yeah, for sure. some good liquid. Um, like it just a, a drop or two. Oh man, I'll, I'll never forget summer solstice in Yeshua Tree when um, 
when uh, I was down there with my insane clown posse that it had year? been. Uh, no, that was like two years ago. Oh, okay. I was with uh, I was with that whole crew with Alea Aquarian, mm -hmm. um, psychedelicate uh, magic show, and um, we had been doing this crazy freeform uh, ritual magic show at the Hollywood Fringe Festival, um, mm -hmm. and Summer Solstice was just shortly after that, and and we had some good good acid at that particular ritual in a cave, and I remember watching the sun just kind of bouncing down like liquid light. Mm. Um, onto one boulder after another and just kind of pulling on the floor and then shafts of light that were coming through at different angles and, and you could kind of feel them tangibly and we're all sticking our arms inside the shaft of light and basically getting baptized in the sun on some solstice it was glorious mm. How nice. i remember talking to you even from that particular yeah trip, and I, I think you had given me something to read I don't know if oh, it's the Orphic Hill of the Sun or, or what it was. Audio. I'm getting a notification that uh, it's using a lot of bandwidth, so I'm going to switch to audio, okay. audio only. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So, <sighs> so when, is, uh, when is Wiz Garber going to join us? Well, uh, he seems to be running a little bit late. Um, okay. I uh, sent him a note. I don't know if I have his email, but uh, yeah, he'll, we'll see when he gets it. It's good. I, I always like to spend a little time catching up before uh, yeah. the proper interview anyway. So yeah, it's it's nice to, when you were in Alaska, you were cutting out. It was kind of hard to communicate. <laughs> oh, yeah, pl plus you a... were running around trying to find the right spot and everything. <laughs> yeah, I was running between um, uh the one room cabin and the uh, one room woodshed woodshed that was a up the hill from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh my goodness, I uh, I miss the fresh air of Alaska. I have to mm. say that place was was a revelation. Yeah. Um, well, at least like those to realize what are the right earth there. can be. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the the Angeles Crest is lovely, but the the level of of um, lushness. And, and mm. the amount of water just yeah, burbling up underneath everything there. Um, mm. And the, the, the shades of neon green that you rarely see in nature. Um, and everything in the forest seems to be hosting like 20 other different organisms. Like you'll see oh, yeah. uh, a, a tree that's horizontal, that's like sprouting three or four equally sized trees yeah. uh, perpendicular. So there'll be a tree growing out of a tree. And moss and, and mushrooms. Yes, and, and just thick- Little critters. Like, <laughs> thick, dense carpets of neon green uh, moss and uh, miniature ferns that, uh, it, the place was just just magic. I've been, I'm writing, um, I'm writing an article about it right now, Fear and Loathing in Alaska, mm. basically about that whole crucible it's like a snow globe crucible in which i processed the incredibly tumultuous end of a incredibly tumultuous 2020 mm. um and i i needed to go into the far ends of the earth in order to do that because shit was so bad in the lower 48 states yeah um and it, it's there there's definitely a more relaxed <laughs> feel now that uh that you know the, the people that uh 
we're putting our democracy in such danger or being uh, arrested. That's good. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, people are by and large vaccinated. Things are getting ready to open back up in Los Angeles. Yeah, I heard uh, one third of everybody. Back in school. And so it feels like the world is kind of opening up again in so many ways. That's great. Um, what's what's India feel like in relationship to the quarantine and pestilence <clears throat> pandemic? I think we're having a bit of a third wave right now. Um, it seems the vaccine, and I, I should preface this by saying I haven't really been paying attention to the news, just sort of hearing what I hear. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, like uh, right now they're giving the vaccination away for free to everyone 45 and older. That's in Goa. I'm not sure about the other states. Um, mm -hmm. Maharashtra is locked down again. That's, that's our neighbors to the north. But Goa, uh, they, there's a little bit of a Texan... Uh, <laughs> like uh, oh no well yeah the, like the the, the head uh, i don't know if he's a senator or a governor or something but uh, someone had said you know that's not the best path for goa because uh you know tourism and money um so so we're open and uh but there's there's rumors... a lot of new agers in goa and i've noticed like a lot of the, the new age um expat communities like especially mm. the one in Tulum. Mm. It's just like a hotbed of QAnon anti-vaxxer hippies. Yeah, it's really weird, man. The, the, Is Goa like that nowadays too? The, the Ayn Rand. Uh, well, the, uh, right now Goa is mostly. Well, not even Ayn Rand. Just uh, weird internet stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, uh, like open to conspiracy theories. Like weighing equally well, the facts with conspiracy I mean, theories and deciding on something in the middle and thinking that that's balanced and rational yeah a massive portion of the festival community is now bought into this ideal that uh some jewish families in europe control the world and yeah and uh covid was something they invented to try to reduce the population and and that masks are trying to take away your freedom and and they're they're becoming almost as ridiculous as the the hicks the rednecks i mean yeah. mount shasta is like that mount shasta's turn joshua tree is kind of by and large it's got more of that ignorant texas mm. vibe with like new age frosting it's kind of i've noticed that annoying. australia has a bit of that too i mean maybe a lot of other countries do but it seems like they're a little bit more rational in mainland europe um uk sort of has that that Boris Trump uh, thing happening, um, and Australia. Oh man, here's something. Go ahead. Oh, just that. I mean, not all Australians, obviously, but there's there's some real like wannabe Texans. You know, I mean, I I I I don't I don't mean to like generalize too much about Texans. There's cool people in Texas. No, Australia and Texas are very similar culturally <laughs> in a lot of ways, and and maybe ge geologically. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, at least the the, the hot parts. Um, one of the interesting things, you know, we were talking to Barry from England last night, my old postmodernism professor. Yeah. And um, and him and and Painey. Do you remember Painey? He was like this, the kind of like hotshot artist downtown Los Angeles, back in the early aughts. Big part of the festival community in Burning Man. Um, I think I missed but, that. Yeah, I was in the he's, cold. He's been posting a he's been posting a lot more about sort of the micro politics of England. Mm. And they have just recently been 
isolated from Europe. Mm. Uh, and Ireland is already breaking away. Like there's already been a good old fashioned car bombing in Northern Ireland. Like the mm. shit that was happening in the seventies. Isn't that weird? Mm. I mean, it's already starting to happen. <laughs> and it's like this one fracture is leading to another fracture. And they were, Russia was hoping that that would happen to the U.S. I mean, they were trying to deliberately balkanize the U.S. as, you know, a good long-term goal to break the hegemony of the military industrial complex in the U.S. that, like, got its tentacles pretty much in every continent. Right. Um, and it's the biggest polluting entity in the world. Mm. Um, so good long goal, but, you know, their attempts to balkanize America kind of has uh, people like me, you know, out in the streets getting into, like, actual uh armed confrontation you know and it, it'd be nicer if there was a way to do it all without bloodshed yeah and i i've spent my time perseverating about that in the last interview mm. anyway goa so do oh, you meet great. other do you meet other american expats accidentally it happened um it, <laughs> i i think i told you about uh, the one guy um, that I avoid, uh, that, but we shop at the same store. Um, right now, because, because everything's locked down, the only uh, foreigners that are in India um, either live here or they were here visiting last year in March and they opted to stay here and to uh, keep petitioning the government for another 30 days, another 30 days. But there's a lot of hippies that are, just, that are just off grid in the jungle. I mean, there's a lot of them. Maybe yeah. And they just hide out there. Yeah, there's yeah, there's one, one area. Them, one of them circled through Joshua Tree. He was telling me all the stories. The there, yeah, there's some. Apparently, there's a like a, a nudist colony of hippies uh, on the other side of this what they call Sweetwater, which we call Freshwater. Um, huh. So I, it took me a while to realize that you know I was like, it's, what is what is Sweetwater? Sweet, freshwater. Su sweetwater means freshwater. Okay. Yeah. So when they oh, say sweet pretty. water, that means fresh water. So like they'll that's say they, they have they have sweet water fish, they have sweet water lakes. So like uh there's there's this one area where there's the ocean, but then two feet, you know, like like a short, short, short walk from the ocean, there's a small lake mm -hmm. that's sweet water. And uh wow. so so for a while I thought it was called Sweetwater Lake. But it was just—it is a sweetwater lake. It's a freshwater lake. And there's a bunch of naked hippies that live. Apparently, there? yeah, they live. They live there in the woods. I well, didn't that's see where, them. That's where I will take my lodging when I come visit you. Just so you know. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works. I don't know if you just walk across and say I'm here. But um, I, I like to just show up and put down a bedroll, mm. and uh, that's. I've heard that, that's some... my favorite way to travel. I've heard some Australian accents in the grocery store. A lot of Russians. Uh, it's a very popular spot for Russia, Russians. Um, and uh, Israeli. Uh, but I think they all went back to Israel, though. Um, so, you know, there's like, I haven't seen Goa when it's normal yet. I've seen Goa, uh, when, when they opened the state for the first time, that was last September, and we moved in, mm -hmm. we moved to Goa at that time, so we saw when everything was closed and the streets were totally empty for like a week, and it was pouring rain. It was a really nice, interesting time, and then slowly the, oh. rain, the rain went away and the people came back, 
and now it's crowded on a Tuesday. Like it's not. What was the temperature of the rain? Is it cold rain or warm? No, rain? it's warm. Always warm. There's oh like, my God. there's no such thing That's as cold. That's gotta feel so good. Yeah, oh they they don't get cold here. It's like not so on the. Do people just walk around in it? That's gotta be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's different from the rest of India. Uh, like, uh, you know, there'll be like, not just younger women, but older women, uh, aunties, you know, traditional looking Indian women that wear shorts uh -huh. or that, that have no problem, like hiking their uh, sari or, you know, whatever it is up. So just mm -hmm. to be more comfortable, wherein in the rest of As necessity would cause. <laughs> yeah. In the rest of India, that's something you don't do, even if you're super hot, you know, you, you don't show so, show show anything any ankle it's so sort of elemental puritan. elemental water gabriella she's the angel she's the popular angel in that part of india it sounds like mm. elemental yeah, water watery. large yeah. for sure and very green when when it rains especially um, oh my goodness you know how it is in california everything turns green when it starts raining so it's here I, I want i want you to do a youtube of just a video of just you walking through one of the parks there just because listening to the birds on one of your recordings yeah oh my you know it's weird like, how many different birds were any, in that i wonder like 10 there aren't 20? any parks the concept doesn't exist here like because the whole thing is a park they they you like in in, <laughs> in u.s i mean we had what's his name not john deere <laughs> john muir <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John Deere, John, John Deere, John Muir, and all John that. Muir, and, and, the, the guy would hike in three-piece suits. Yeah, in his Sunday best. Then write to the president and and save land. <laughs> but here they didn't have that same history, so you know somehow they they struck a little bit more of a balance with nature. I think intuitively oh. before before people were, I mean, because I think you know what we call oh, Western oh. culture. I mean. I don't personally think of it as Western culture, but it's the common vernacular. It's like super mm -hmm. young. I mean, it's not only young, but wow. it's because it's been changing so much very quickly, it's like completely newborn. It's like a it, a toddler. I mean, QAnon. What a Jesus. fascinating perspective. People think, yeah, it's so, it's not ancient. It's it's brand new. Where where? Tell me more how they avoided doing what we're doing. Tell me how more about well, how they just by made existing in a different. Early existing in a different time i mean because basically okay. the u.s uh the native americans had no exposure to greeks <laughs> they had no exposure to ancient greeks you know or or anything that came between you know five thousand years ago and uh you know 500 years ago so God, the first would have been fascinating conversations that needs to be an alternate history fiction right there oh yeah oh there, there was oh, an artist that did that where uh somehow that the Aztecs were able to to uh, to go back and conquer Rome or something like that. It's pretty cool. Far yeah. fucking out. Yeah, <laughs> alternate reality. I wonder if maybe this is just going to be you and I on this episode. Hey, uh, check in with him, because I've really been wanting to ask him about what's happening with the pipeline protest. Yeah, he's not on, really heating up right now. He's, he's on the not he's boots on the ground. Right. Yeah, um, he's he's offline. I, I don't know another way to get a hold of him than Facebook. Shit. I hope he's okay. Yeah, we'll see. I'm um, sure he'll he'll pop on here. But uh, shoot, what were we just talking about? I lost train of thought. Well, we were talking about how India uh, oh, right, right, right. struck the yeah, right so, relationship with nature before some before modernity. Yeah, and because so, because uh 
you know, they they were here and they, you know, there was the Dravidians, the, you know, and 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 so really the the mythical, you know, debatable uh, Aryan invasion, which means uh, people of lighter skin who speak uh, basically uh, Sanskrit, um, it came in and uh, and so there was that period and and it's again it's debatable so I shouldn't even speculate about it too much because it's kind of a hot subject but what we do know is that later after that after that settled down uh for a long time then the Greeks came and we 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 do know about that from both the Indian perspective and the Greek perspective um so long story short I had only read the Greek perspective mm. and I've just recently started reading more Asian perspectives of the Greeks. And that's really fascinating, but mm. bracket that, go ahead. Long oh, story yeah, yeah, short. Yeah. yeah, I want to hear about that. Yeah, long story short, I feel like it's, uh, I mean, I could use the metaphor of immune system. Like they, they had to fight Alexander. They had to fight, um, you know, Genghis Khan and uh, the development of, no, there, were, there was no huge, weapons uh development that took them by surprise ever um when 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 someone came in with guns the indians were fighting back with guns it was never like guns versus bow and arrow um except for maybe in certain times and places and, you know, at some point but um so i mean that's part of it and so there's 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 like a comprehension and a language and a trade i mean all the way back like uh it, uh, very and economic uh trade. See, the nra was right good guy with a gun uh, tra <laughs> no, trade relationships <laughs> um yeah i mean you know one guy with a gun versus one guy with a with a rock is like no no ser yeah seriously gonna... though that's that's a that's a big topic of conversation in the community right now is like is it time to uh meet force with force and mm -hmm. um and uh it's a hot topic between not just Trotskyists and Marx, Marxist-Leninist traditional, but I mean, uh, other socialists and, and even pacifists are having to kind of deal with this because um, because there's there's sort of a, a tilting balance where there's a, a heightened vulnerability that the native populations and the people of color in America are experiencing that they haven't experienced in years, and so. Even the pacifists, the Quaker activists, they're kind of having to be a little bit like, all right, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You guys are, are, are getting killed on such a regular basis and your land and water are being raped on such a regular basis. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I hope it doesn't get bloody, but I guess you have a right to defend yourself. But, um, I know the first Dapple pipeline, it was, it was strictly, rigidly uh, nonviolent. Um, I'm not saying this one's going to be, but mm. it's just the, what's at stake. Because if you don't have yeah. water, you can't well, the Marines came in and started shooting rubber bullets at old ladies. It was ridiculous. It was like priests and Native Americans and hippies, and they just started shooting at them. It was stupid. Man, you know, if those fucking militias uh, all over America want to do something to to help somebody with their damn guns, they should be helping the people on the reservations. Those are the people that really need somebody to step up and protect them. Yeah, um, they've got this concept that they're that they're culturally at war with the you know uh, uh, the democratic urban gay uh, left, 
And so, so you know, it's like the uh, divide and conquer thing. That, that's it's it's succeeding. Like, you know. You know, it's interesting though. Like even even the KKK and the Nazis. I should uh, clarify just because. Sorry, I just gotta clarify. <laughs> I I'm I'm saying from from the point of view of the right wing uh, militia person in his mind he doesn't want he he's in a culture war with what he considers to be the the gay left i'm not calling it the gay left <laughs> lots of gay um, friends and no issues with that okay sorry go on. but but um for people who aren't familiar with this podcast <laughs> th th there are people in those weird right-wing militia communities that that do support an indigenous cause it's weird because they're so anti-immigrant um but they're just they're just not paying attention to the historical fact that every brown person on the other side of the border is related to they're they're all native american you know, right north america turtle island whatever you want to call it you know these are superimposed cultural wait oh disconnected hold on let me plug myself back in. Okay. Okay. But um, one of the weird parts of discourse, and as a social scientist, I don't know, I I, I just read a lot of this kind of stuff uh, because it's, it was part of uh, it was part of what we were doing in grad school. We were working on explicit conflict resolution, peacemaking discourse projects uh, with dubious funding from the Department of Justice right after 9/11. Um, you know, arguably, they could have been trying to use this to get information from Islamic communities, um, which we were working with at the time. Mm. But uh, but um, one of the interesting things about the discourse in the 80s with some of the KKK members is some a lot of them were uh, were sympathetic with the Native Americans. Mm. I mean, I guess just their ignorance. But but um, wouldn't that be interesting though, if if all these people that are like we're we're an autonomous nation blah 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 um wouldn't that be interesting if some of them teamed up with some of the indigenous people who are like hey i tell you what you really want to be autonomous you know <laughs> fight with me and, and and you can be part of the tribe um but versus who <laughs> so it's like native versus, versus native americans versus the neoliberal KKK. oh maybe yeah versus the, versus the neoliberal establishment um there, there is a there. There are sections of that whole right wing militia group that we imagined ourselves that I and my comrades imagined ourselves fighting the streets with. Uh, I mean, the the ones that are actually armed to the teeth, not just the proud boy feel like a fisticuff. You know, everybody enjoys that. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, but some of them, uh, yeah, they 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 see the same sort of thing that we as Marxists see when we critique what's happening in America in terms of, of economic globalism that uh, is it, de designed around uh, slave labor that's done over there and, and the dirty parts can constantly be hidden in some other uh, banana republic right. uh, where American corporations pay off uh, local uh, warlords and governors and presidents. Um, basically, what we did in Latin America for pretty much the ha last 
100 years. Yeah, um, now the now China's American and it. British corporations. Yeah, yeah, China's joining the party. Isn't that gruesome? Yeah, um, they, they're just reading it like a script. Like, okay, this, this is how the British did it. Of like, <laughs> there should be a movement of Marxist purists in China that start revolting. Um, just like, this is not what Marx had in mind. But um, the, the group of neo-fascists, they also see that there's a lot of corruption within the way that the uh, globalism helps corporations transcend the boundaries of the nation that they're supposed to be grounded in, you know. Um, and yeah, things are going to get really interesting over the next 100 years, let's just say. Yeah, gosh, you know, and um, every time I try to predict something. I think America will balkanize, I do. Yeah, balkanize is that is that is that a salad or or a soup? Uh, it's a salad. I, okay. I think uh, okay. it's already the done that. Really break into autonomous regions. Mm. Um, just oh, for I pragmatic see, I see. purposes. Um, and, yeah. And that would that would reduce all the global adventuring that we shouldn't be doing in the first place. Um, so. So yeah, th those are sort of the long-term things that that I think I'll see in my lifetime, um, and try to balance creating a safe space for my family. Yeah. Um, in India, though, I imagine. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you picture the next one hundred years being like geopolitically there with? with what Russia and China are doing. Um, well, uh, India has a good rapport with the, you know, uh, what they call the westernized democratic, you know, Asian countries, uh, as well as, um, and that includes Australia and, uh, and the US and, and Canada and all that. Um, so I think going forward, it'll be interesting because China is right next door um and it's kind of the big economic powerhouse in the world right now i think that uh looking at the numbers like a lot of people will try to avoid looking at the numbers that say that china surpassed the us a long time ago um <laughs> and and focus yeah. more on some other different numbers that are like wow china could surpass the us one day it's like no no they, that happened already <laughs> um but uh so so, but India's, you know, like a contender. It's like, uh, you know, I, it doesn't look like India's going to overtake. I mean, I don't mean overtake, like, uh, like take over. I just mean like on the highway. They, that's what they say here. When you pass someone, you just you overtake them. You know, <laughs> go, go go around them. You know? <laughs> like, overtake I mean. sounds like it's it's like a battle word word in King James English. And they overtook them and slew them and tore them asunder. Sorry. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm talking to our guest, uh, Daniel. On, he's is he I, on? Yeah, he he forgot, and now he's he's says he doesn't oh. have, doesn't have Zoom. Are oh. you able to download Zoom? <laughs> All right. So anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm sidetracked and a little stone, so I'm not able to 
maintain. Oh, and I, when I listened to our previous interview with uh, the professor, not the professor, but the other professor. Um, yeah. There was like <laughs> one line of thought where I was, I started, I got to the middle, I almost got to the point, And then I was like, I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> and it was like, I can see the train of thought. I can watch it. Derail. We should take notes. <laughs> yeah. It, it is interesting juggling the time zones, though. Um, yeah. Well, at least we only have two to juggle today. If, if we, like, started a podcast just based on that alone, we would call it Good Morning, Good Night. <laughs> you know, you were talking about the weather up north and the difference between uh, Angeles Crest, at least as far as the air. Like, you can you can hit Angeles Crest and get some fresh air. But um, But I do love driving north. The five isn't very interesting, but uh, but but you you get to see the slow change, the shift from uh, sort of the heartland part of California, the uh, the where where McDonald's grows all their wheat, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, and then up past that there starts to be little trees and little hills, and then slowly it starts to turn into bigger hills and bigger trees, and then redwoods and and then it's just yeah. wild. And then, then it starts I to get, to get excited cold. when I see the big fuzzy yellow hills right before you get to uh, San Jose, and I'm like, "Yay, I'm almost to San Francisco!" Yeah, that's my favorite city in the world. Uh, San Jose. I didn't spend very much time there. We knew a guy that uh, played guitar that uh, he he ended up moving to Germany or Croatia or something like that. Uh, Richard Dorsich. He's a musician. And uh, he was from San Jose, but I and I haven't been to Amorc yet. Although I I don't know if I should show my face there after all my uh, <laughs> episodes about them. Well, I think what you had to say was pretty objective. Yeah, constructive criticism. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. Are we going to pull Edward in? I mean, Daniel in. He's uh, the three dots. You know, when when they're when they're typing. Those have been going for a while. I asked him <laughs> if he was going to download Zoom. Yeah. We could just uh, make this the episode. You know, there was somebody else I was thinking I would like you to interview, but it was somebody that I wanted you to interview because I already know him kind of so well that it'd be more interesting for them to talk to a stranger, you know? Hmm. But, but uh, you know, about sort of the, um, and this person is somebody that is familiar with Kabbalah. Um, it's somebody I had met at seminary. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, look, what comes to me, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I email you. Okay, he's going to oh, try to Daniel. Oh, let me see if I can. Suspense is killing me. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, there were I'll edit this down. There were things I, yeah, there were things I said earlier anyway that I am not sure I I want to I want to be uh, public in the uh, ideal of loose links on this loose, episode. Yeah, of, in the ideal of loose lips sink ships. Sure, uh, sure. Say, uh, Which part? Um, I, I would kind of like just to double check the whole thing because there were several. Well, no, no, I'll take that back. I think 
I think most of what I said was also just objective social science because right. that's what I do. And I, I, I go deep into these groups and I, I spend time talking to people in these different groups. And yeah. I mean, in, uh, in grad school, it was really fascinating because I was going into Christian fundamentalist communities and Muslim fundamentalist communities. And, uh, mm. and uh, holy cow, that... Uh, did, did, I, did I tell you about the one uh, out in Riverside where they actually blindfolded me be, before I got in the car? No. Yeah, when I was in grad school, I... Um, uh, my fundamentalist mosque that I was working with, because I had these variables of like liberal uh, mosque, conservative mosque, liberal church, conservative church. And and this was just after 9-11, Department of Justice Research for all religious social science departments that can be like, how can we steer people towards more people discourse and prevent terror cells, you know, right. stuff like that. Um, and... Um, um, it's totally weird when I look back on it. Big I'm Brothers like, Mandatory that. Diversity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm kind of like, was I a was I a mule? I mean, a, a, were the CIA trying to use me to milk information from these groups? I don't know. Hmm. Um, but uh, speaking of loose lip, lips, sink ships. Uh, but the <laughs> one that, that they took me to, these guys I met at the King Fahad Mosque in Culver City, they're they're like, oh, you think this is conservative? You want to really meet uh, some conservative Muslims? Uh, go with us next Friday, blah, 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 blah. And so I meet them. I meet the guys. Uh, there's some, there are two UCLA students. Um, and they said, but we can't have you see where we're going. Are you comfortable if we blindfold you? <laughs> and I'm like, comfortable? No. Curious, yes. So let's try this. Um, and uh, I, you know, at the time, I was definitely in my Hunter S. Thompson buy the ticket, take the ride sort of phase of life, which I guess I still am in so many ways. Uh, uh, Let me double check yeah. something. I don't know if she went back to sleep. And the doorbell just rang. I'll be right back. <clears throat> oh, I got some from Dan. Okay, you got it. It's all good. Okay, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, you know what? I think I I think I told this whole story last time or the time before that. I was just realizing which story the 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 one where I got blindfolded by oh oh I don't remember it potential jihadists yeah um and the crazy thing is they look like. <laughs> Like the, the UCLA students, they didn't like look modern. They looked like newspaper jihadists, like with the baggy pants, the combat boots. <laughs> yeah, like um, UCLA students. Big heavy jacket. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but, but I mean, they, my they sister like, went to USC, so that's, that's a funny thing. That it's like they definitely weren't trying not to look like Muslim extremists, you know? Right. But then they and they blindfolded me when uh, when I got in the back seat. And we were all kind of making jokes about it, you know? And so I was like, all right, we're all joking about this. It must be okay. Uh, and uh, and it, it was okay. It, but when we got there, the imam from the community, uh, which was like this kind of weird mosque built into the back of an abandoned warehouse, or maybe not abandoned, but um, uh, 
the, the imam came running out and was just yelling at them for bringing me there. Like, what mm. the hell do you think you're doing? And then they put the blindfold on, took me back, and was like, well, uh, that didn't work. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, inshallah, brother, inshallah. <laughs> uh, I've heard more than one story about, like, uh, for example, Tony Horowitz, uh, the author, went into a synagogue and the imam was talking about the evil Jews and their conspiracy and, and how, you know, the, you know, all this kind of stuff. And after that, Tony Horowitz went up and introduced himself to the imam and let him know that he was Jewish. And, wow. and the imam was, was very apologetic. And he said, you know, okay. please understand that I, I respect you and I, I you know, I, I am, I'm sorry that you had to hear all that. You know, I'm, I, you so seem like a good out. person. He didn't, he didn't, <laughs> the thing is he didn't change his opinion at all. Uh, okay. But, oh, it looks like uh, he's on. Are you here? I am. Oh. <laughs> I am, can you hear me? Our guest is here. Glory. Um, oh. Hey. We're, we've got it set hey. to audio only, uh, but it's good that people will get to see your face for a second. <laughs> but it'll it'll sound better if you if you if you turn off the uh, camera. Either way, either way. Okay, yeah. how do I turn it off? Either, oh, it's okay. There, there should be a little button uh, that has a looks like a little video camera. It says uh, start video, stop video next to mute on the lower left. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Now all our bandwidth can be for the audio. Okay. How are you, Fred? Oh, okay. I'm I'm a little bit frazzled, obviously. Oh, it's frazzled. Right. But, uh, <laughs> it happens. But but good. I've I've been I've been working in this metal shop uh, working on shamanic horse staffs. They're Mongolian right. Buryat inspired. And I've made uh, four of them so far, two sets. Each set is a male and a female horse. And, and I've, uh, I've now made a second uh, two sets. So I've made four sets total. And there, there's how interestingly did, how did you get enough- inspired to do a like uh, Mongolian shamanism? How, how did that happen? Well, I'm, I'm, I, I, on Facebook, I, I am good friends with uh, the editor of uh, Sacred Hoop magazine, and Ooh. I've been published in it many times since I went to Standing Rock, um, and he, it, he, amongst other things, he practices uh, Tibetan uh, shamanism. And yeah. he also knows a lot about Mongolian shamanism. And, huh. and one of my friends heard that I do metal work and blacksmithing. So they contacted me and they said, can you make these Mongolian Buryat shaman staffs for me? So she commissioned me wow. to do them. I was wow. like, I was totally honored to do that. That's great. Uh, but the, the deal is that uh, the, the editor of the magazine, his name is Nicholas Breezewood, 
he has all of the initia initiations and the empowerments. So basically we're under his tutelage. And, and so I'm doing, I, I was commissioned to do them because she felt that I would do it in a good ceremonial sacred way, a respectful mm -hmm. way. So that, so that these would be good ceremonial objects. Uh, and, and that's the way I made them. I actually consecrated them with my own blood at one point. Mm. Uh, Intentionally? But it was under the, uh, it wasn't intentional, no. <laughs> yeah, it happens. <laughs> but, uh, but, I love that. That's even better. The, uh, Serendipity brought it up. But, uh, Nick, but, but Nicholas is his, he's tutoring me. He, he, he's been guiding me along, making sure that I do everything in the proper way. And, and when I posted pictures on Facebook of what I've been doing, immediately I got pounced on by the, uh, by the, uh, the Nazis who, the shamanic Nazis who are oh. accused me of uh, cultural appropriation because I'm doing something that's, you know, only Mongolians should be doing. Mm. And, and uh, he, but Nicholas said that, you know, I've been doing everything okay. I've been doing it fine, so cool. Um, it does. It doesn't really any anything that you do of value. I've discovered there are critics, so yeah, we just have to let yeah. that. And let anything that you do, on. but bacon apple pie is going to be cultural appropriation, and probably apple pies were taken from someone at some point. The yeah. Germans, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. So uh, I delivered one set uh, to a 75-year-old uh, Blackfoot sun dancer uh, last last night, actually, mm -hmm. uh, yesterday, and and she she heard about them and she also wanted a set, so I gave them to her, and she she touched the the horse staff, which I had I had attached actual horse hair to. Uh, and she said, as soon as she touched the staff, she felt the presence of the horse spirit. And she said, turn around. I don't want you to see me. And I, so I turned around and then she started nickering like a horse. She was possessed by the horse right in front of me. Well, right, wow. right, right behind me, actually. So the, these objects appear to be very strong, very powerful. Nice. How much time have you spent with like, like specific tribal elders doing that kind of thing? uh well not much time with with mongolian shamanism i i mean like I, the, is, i mean like the local native american tribes specifically oh i've spent a lot of time with those guys but, yeah that's uh, another story huh i, they, I don't think i've heard some of those stories 77 yet yeah but they have uh they have their own horse staffs mm. uh that they do uh, things with and uh the lakotas do anyway but it, but it's a different kind of thing from mongolian shamanism mm. uh i it, apparently there's a very close connection between traditional siberian shamans and blacksmithing huh. uh, all 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 shamans were blacksmiths and well i shouldn't say that but there, there seems to be this connection where, if you if you note if you look at the uh, old gear that Mongolian and Siberian shamans are wearing, 
they're covered with all kinds of iron implements, small little tools, small smaller versions than the real ones, but they're hanging on their outfit. These were made by blacksmiths. Mm. Wow. Um, so the, the, the blacksmith connection to shamanism is very strong. And uh, I would extend it farther. I mean, uh, blacksmiths that I know, we all use electricity. We all use welders. We use modern technology to the extent that we can. And I think the traditional shaman would have too. They would have used the tools that were available to them. Mm. So, and, and uh, I, I can't, I can't believe that there's a uh, a taboo against using electricity because the the uh, the lightning was around back in those days too, and electricity really existed back then. And it's just a matter of the fact that we've harnessed it better than they did back then. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, in the Mediterranean traditions, uh, Tubal Cain was the uh, he was sort of the uh, the primal um, uh, magus who was also uh, uh, an earth worker and a metallurgist. He was supposedly the uh, the one who got the gift of metallurgy from uh, one of the uh, angels in the Book of Enoch. Um, hmm. So it's, it's interesting that that ideal of like to extract the pure element from the earth is to engage elemental earth in this very magical way. Hmm, yeah, I guess they, in a way that being a blacksmith, you're using elemental fire and elemental earth. You know, it it's kind very of, al very alchemical too. Yeah, yeah. It it kind of it, it calls to mind for me how uh, I I would always tend to think of the blacksmith as being in the cowboy part of town and the shaman as being in the you know to use the, the older vernacular Indian part of town, Native American part. Of, you know what I mean? Outside of town, two separate things. And then the uh, nature being just chew the leaf and, uh, you know, civilized, you know, civil, civil, c corrupt civilization is extract the cocaine or whatever from the leaf and blow it up your nose. <clears throat> but maybe somewhere in between there, there's a, a, a more harmonious balance between, as you said, like blacksmithing and 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 shamanism or or alchemy, and uh, you know the in, intentional scientific transformation of substances, uh, but without going so far as to, I don't know. But I mean, it seems like civilization as we know it is is a is a product of of alchemy gone crazy, gone wrong, gone. Well, I just cancerous. I just posted something on yeah. Facebook, comparing. Uh, uh, practices of alchemy, well, alchemical transformation, I was comparing that to the way an individual can be transformed in a, in a Native American sweat lodge. Mm. It's like a, a Native American sweat lodge is, is an alchemical vessel into which you go and you are raised up, you're purified, and oh. then when you come out, uh, you're, you're you're transformed, you're new, you're mm. born again. You know, there are hermetic illustrations trying to, that trying show to a man inside a bottle like that, that's yeah. actually getting cooked. That's, that's in some of the 1500s, like uh, alchemical engravings, these odd diagrams. And you're like, what, this guy is being boiled in a pot? And that almost sounds like that, that process of 
purification by engaging the such a an intensely pure element steam mm. i guess steam it, f- fire and water that's i guess what that is fire and yeah. water well carl young said those images were uh, metaphorical uh, yeah. for psychological self transformation right that's that an interesting carl young's version anyway like i get thinking of fire and water i mean i know there's like there's so many different directions to go from there but uh but the uh the air, the, the steam that results from the fire and the water of these two primal natures, the emotional and the passionate, that that when they go together, it's like these two contrary natures, a third must arise, like almost like the, you guys have probably read Eric yeah. Bernie's games people play, the adult right. that can, uh, can intercede between the parent and the child, like the uh, steam that arises from the combination of water and fire. Maybe I'm going really far afield. <laughs> no, no, as, as a social scientist, as a social scientist, I feel I can say with authority that almost all of early psychoanalysis from like the first 50 years was clinical reifications of ideals that are already present in Kabbalah, just mm. from, from the spiritual mysticism that I've read, you know, within that period. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, as a social scientist, as somebody with a PhD in psychology, most of cognitive behavioral therapy, most of the the ideals of the the human structure of id ego and super ego, uh, the way the interjections work, the way that thought stopping works, but instead of saying stigil, you know, you use a stupid rubber band or something. I mean, <laughs> there's there's so much within both theory and technique. Anchors, not talismans. That 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 was basically used for therapeutic purposes within um, the Hermetic tradition. Just mm. reading back through the through the various writings. Oh, who's that? Yeah, it I hear like a Kabbalah. lovely voice in the background. Oh yeah, the uh, the the maid is here talking to uh, Priyal. Um, it, it it seems like yoga and uh, Kabbalah both. And hermeticism, they, they all kind of uh, had their have their influence on our modern secularized, um, you know, uh, you know, a- atheistic culture. Um, but you know, for to make it avail- available and accessible to people who are either in one religious camp or another, or in no religious camp and and anti-religious camp, can all have can, can all benefit from the uh, from the 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 good parts of hinduism and judaism and christianity i am um, we were talking earlier with be, before you got on the horn with us about uh the way india seems to have a different relationship with nature like in america we can find nature oh yeah because he was saying two parks you know, but in india is like nature's the rule yeah there's the no parks the exception in the cities there's parks i should clarify like in 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 new delhi you, you can find parks but the rest of India parks isn't really something that exists. I mean, it's. I mean, you can probably look at a map and prove me wrong, but I mean, like the it's all green, like it's all a park. Like the uh, the people just built their houses in it, and it, but in in U.S. people, you know, will buy an entire state worth of land and then turn it into a grid of of uh, the same house over and over. So someone like John Muir has to step in and try to get the federal government to 
draw a line and say you can't build here but that just wasn't india's history like i mean india's history of course is thousands of years old where you know john muir was what yesterday another thing we were talking about uh yeah. mr garber is a just the accident of guns germs and steel and there's a book you know called Gun, guns germs and steel but in terms of alchemy and metallurgy india had was able to meet gun with gun earlier and was able to defend themselves from encroachment whereas well, they were fighting the alexander americans, the great yeah the native americans didn't know how to do uh extract was, iron yeah. i guess or i'm not sure it what was guns of versus research. bow and arrow yeah um it's but really what what's situation. happening now in defense of the land mr garber what's happening with the, the pipeline encroachment and people trying to stop it well um funny you should mention that <laughs> because uh what i'm on the verge of actually uh going on a road trip and and leaving where i am in the seattle area and and, and driving across the mountains the rocky mountains and going out to south dakota where i will People join my drive. friends where i will join my friends uh on the rosebud reservation um these are people that I met at Standing Rock in the Rosebud camp there. The, Rose, the uh, Standing Rock camp was comprised of a couple of different uh, subdivisions, so to speak. There were, there were like suburbs. There were these smaller camps that were suburbs of the larger camp. And oh. the, Rosebud, the Rosebud camp was one of these suburbs. And that's where I was kind of centered. That's where those were the people that I was working with. And later on, after I left Standing Rock, I still had those connections. And later on that summer, I went to their Sundance on Rosebud. And uh, now still, that, I don't I want you to gloss over that. That's an intense thing from what you told me. What does that entail, the Sundance? The Sundance. Uh, well, the Sundance is something that I aspired to for about 20 years um foreigners don't don't get to do it right i um, say foreigners because i'm here in india that's how they refer to everybody who's not indian uh but but <laughs> usually it's not anyone outside the lakota that do the sundance right dog well, versus feather i think that might have been the case earlier it was illegal for them to do these practices until mm. 1978 oh wow. i think with the religious uh the, the the indigenous religious uh, practices act was passed that that made it legal up mm. until that point oh. they were underground that's why they're so secretive about wow. these things they still feel there are a lot of them that feel that these things shouldn't be talked about or shared or well, that there like how... shouldn't be any photographs yeah and, and and a lot of this a lot of that is because it was the, the federal government, and in particular, the Department of Interior uh, acted uh, to present, prevent them from doing their religious practices because they felt that they were uh, um, satanic <laughs> um, devils, devil worshipers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's just like and, how and, hermeticism uh, became secret because so, of the Catholic Church and the Inquisition and all that. Right. 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 So, so uh, 
it, it's it's not so much that foreigners can't do it. Uh, it depends on how you define foreigner. Yeah, I just mean white people. The uh, or non-Native American. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. Yeah. The the wow. the actual teachings of the Lakota spiritual leaders is that it the color of your skin doesn't matter. Okay. Huh. We're all all of our bones are the same. Uh, our skeletons are the same. Uh, our blood is all red. Um, the 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 surface texture of our skin doesn't matter. Mm. Um, that that's what these teachings are. And and what and and that's the way they felt originally. The 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 persecution that the white people have been doing against them for a couple of hundred years has of course made made a lot of them very angry. They're traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. But the actual teachings are that they're supposed to forgive us for doing that to them. Mm. Holy crap. Um the uh the th the thing that You still there? Uh oh. There was like a latency, and then it oh, kind there of, he is. I think he might have. Oh. Are you back? Are you there, Mr. Garber? I, I lost you for a bit, but okay. What I was trying to say, what I was trying to say was that uh, if you have good character, you can do ceremony with them, and it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Right. As long as you're That's sincere. Cool. I didn't know that. Huh. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, in Sundance that, that I went to on Rosebud uh, in 2017, there were people there from Germany mm. that, that came every year to, to Sundance. Okay. And they, so it involves a these, piercing these in Germans your chest, right? Are actually... Sorry, I interrupted um, you. It, it involves it involves fasting for four days. Mm. It involves uh, not drinking any water for four days. You're dancing for four oh. days. And the idea is they're either crying. Mm. Uh, did we lose him again? He's back. But his his mute button. It says no microphone. I think you might have clicked mute. Oh, there you go. Oh no. <laughs> um, my, oh, my, my internet connection's going in and out. Yeah, they oh. say that that uh my Zoom is like a is... Zoom is like a modern seance. Like, can you hear me? <laughs> is that I it? think he's Are here. You here? <laughs> I, I feel I feel Liz Garber. Um, Mr. Garber, um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Um, what is what is their ideal about self defense? Okay. Because they they've been they were very pacifistic the first time around, but I don't know. Some of us some of us are thinking that when it comes to protecting the water, I mean, that's survival is at stake. And is there ever a point where where leftists would need to help arm up and, and protect our indigenous brothers. 
that's what Standing Rock was about. They, they put out the call for help. And, and we answered that call. I mean, there were 10,000 vets that showed up who oh, answered that yeah. call. 10,000 vets were there? Uh, I talked about I talked right. about that in my first uh, yeah episode my first, 77 uh, interview there. Yeah, I didn't realize that was 10, your second 000. interview. That's a lot. Were were any of them armed? Yeah, they're all right. Cool. Uh, the the idea the idea behind Rock was a peaceful uh, a peaceful uh, protest. They didn't want any any buddy to accuse them of using any kind of weapons yeah it was very gandhi in that way very very uh very hindu very indian and that's that takes a lot of fortitude <laughs> and then the but marines they, came right they, they, they went out on the line they went out on the line and the, they were shot with rubber bullets and 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 maced and uh the reason why the vets were motivated to go there was to stand between the police and the water protector protesters to protect the water protectors. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the role that I take sometimes. I ate a rubber bullet last year doing that, trying to protect a lady that was getting drugged across the pavement by the cops in a in a Black Lives Matter protest and. It, point blank range right in the chest and uh i was i had a quarantine for like two weeks in my van outside the house but i tell you what man last year kind of made me more militant I, i'm just like I, I felt like nothing changed until that minneapolis police station burned down i'm not kidding um i honestly think it might take more of that <laughs> um I, but I don't know if we can survive much longer if we don't. We're uh, we're currently uh, I'm currently going to Rosebud Reservation to uh, to help them build sustainable housing. They have no housing out there. There's nothing to spare, really. I've noticed what, what that when I was there. To live in? I've been up there the last two summers. What what are they living in? No, what what if people tend they're, to live in that they don't have their They're own? living in FEMA houses. Oh, huh, okay. What what do people want? Currently, okay. most people are living in FEMA housing. They're they're huh. they're like self-creators. They're like they're like uh, my internet connection isn't stable, it says, just to warn you. Uh, but uh, the, the FEMA houses are, are so cheap and such bad construction methods that when it, there's a big hailstorm, the roof will will give in and and actually cave in, and all the windows get broken and after this last big hailstorm that they had a year and a half ago, uh, about a thousand of the houses on the reservation uh, were damaged and had to have their roofs fixed. You know, I heard, are you guys there? 
I'm here. Oh, he's back. Are you there, Mr. Garber? Well, it's good you're going out and helping rebuild. I think your mute is on again. There you go. It was What's happening choppy, is though. I have a very weak. I have a very weak internet connection. I keep going in and out. Oh, it's okay. And we we had that back, last I'm time. I'm muted. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I I I'm I'm feeling like I'm not doing this topic justice right now, and I'm wondering if we should redo this at a better date when I have better internet and. Yeah, uh -huh. maybe so, because it's, it's yeah, really Yeah, well, tough. let's make this a part one, and uh, and people can descry, because I, I, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff on here, just uh, toward the end, it kind of started to fizzle out, but let's it make this a like part one. It just sounds like it's coming one. through a Ouija board. Yeah, we'll make this a prequel. This is a, 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 a pre-episode, so you guys can look forward to the real episode when Daniel Garber has a good internet connection. We're gonna I do rock. need to take a look at a couple of things, though, Edward. Just uh, in terms of, you know, uh, I I want to take a listen just to make sure that oh, because there's a couple of things I would like to edit out that sure I think I think people would be uh, not happy that I said just in terms I, of saying I, I was going to edit a couple things out too. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I I I that's why a lot of uh, my former comrades won't do cool stuff with me anymore. Oh it's yeah, I'll send like, you. There comes a there comes a well, it comes a point almost even just broadly, you know, doing YouTube stuff, and they're like, you're gonna have to kind of pick one. <laughs> More than one of them said, you can't mm -hmm. both be somebody that talks about stuff online and be somebody that actually does it. And I'm like, right. sure I can, but yeah, I mean, for them, it's you know, there's serious vulnerability factors that I have to respect, you know, and say, okay. I can't yeah. tell story. I can't tell the kind of stories I like to tell and do this. And I've already kind of blown my water with some of that, anyway. So, and I, I still I, see them. It, I still see them at protest, but but they won't and... meet me with me anywhere. And you know, we won't. They won't plan stuff with me. They'll talk to me if they see me on the street. But yeah, nothing on. This feels like a rehearsal. Tactical. <laughs> yeah, this is a. But it's a rehearsal. We'll let people listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we will do a redo. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more. You, you, there's so many stories that I'm just dying to hear. Yeah. You're you're leaving though. When are you leaving? Do you want to do this when we get back, or when you get back? Uh, I'm going to be gone for you know until September. So oh, wow. I'm going to be out there with the Lakota people all summer long, and I probably won't return until September. Well, so okay. totally immersed in the culture. So you're in year four of the Sundance, which is the completion. Well, I'm in year three. Three. Actually. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, I've I've been there. What you typically what you do when you start is when you when you're exposed to the Sundance is you go to support someone else. Right. Uh, and, and I've done that. I've been, uh, I think I've been to six sun dances, but I've danced. Hmm. Wow. 
I look well, forward to following your 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 stories. Yeah. What? So, uh, what we do you just think? Went, sorry. I just went in and out again. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Just went in and out again. But what I was what I was saying was that uh, that if first you support, and a lot of people support for like a long time. They'll they'll support for like four years. They'll they'll be fire attending for the entire dance um, and then at some point they get called to actually dance um, and I got called uh, two years ago well, three years ago to dance but that that's kind of a, a, a involved story which I could talk about you know next time yeah next time when detail. do you do you, you want to do that before you leave or after you get back I think we should do it before I leave. Okay. Uh, when do you leave? Oh shoot, he's gone. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> say that for email. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, okay. We'll we'll sort it out on Facebook. Uh, we'll we'll plan something. Yeah. And uh, do you think you'll have better internet sometime the, in the next yeah. few days? Yes. Yes. Yes, I will because I'll be downtown. I'm actually in a metal, metal alchemy, okay, uh, blacksmithing shop right now, and it, this particular place is is unstable. Sure, we'll make this the preview episode, and uh, we'll talk on Facebook, and we'll plan when we're going to do the real episode <laughs> in a few days. All right, okay. I'll see you guys later. Sorry uh, about that. Oh, that's okay. No, it was fun. Life happens. <laughs> okay, brother, we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Have a good day or good night. See ya. See you. Thank you. Daniel Garber, for being our guest tonight on the Esoteria Nerd Podcast. Thank you, Robbie Strong, for being my co-host. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda and his father and the other monks at Jofukuin Temple on Mount Koyasan for the music you're hearing right now. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly for the harp intro and outro to the interview itself. And most importantly, thank you to you, the Esoterra nerd, listening to this podcast. To the north and to the south, the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh.